Welcome to the Wolverine Digest Podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maze and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Breitler. I'm just going to start by saying go blue. We're back. We're home. Nice shower, dude. Warm it bed. Feels like, it feels like it's been about a month since we've been on here. It's only been, well, it's been five Wednesday. days since Wednesday. It's been five Family days. Wednesday was the last show we did. We did do a video recording in the car that was posted, not live. So it, you know, we got we have some stories. What up, Thomas, Jesse, John? Thomas, Sean, yes. If I go to a special event, I'm still rocking the the snapback. It's part of the attire, buddy. We have it's we have stories we're gonna tell, and then we're gonna get into a a fairly normal show. I mean, this is part of what we're gonna start talking about right now. I mean, for those of you who have followed along on the Facebook page and on social media and some of the stuff that's been going on, uh, we had a, a slight hiccup in the road trip out to Iowa city, the yeah. RV, the command center, Rosie, she let us down a little bit. We, yeah. I mean, Chris and I tried real hard not to blame it on her. There were hugs given, uh, Chris and I both kissed the external and internal parts of Rosie several times. I, I mean, we didn't make like a big deal out of it, but I saw Chris doing it. I know I did it. It happened. I prayed. I, I, Forehead, forehead to side of RV, a prayer with her. We to try we to reason peed, with her. We peed on her a couple times. I mean, things not got... intentionally, not intentionally. It's what happens I, when I, you're living on the side of a highway. I was making landscaping plans for the area of the exit ramp where we were living. <laughs> he was picking out a spot for the tulips. It was, yeah. it was an experience. All right, so because of that. You know, Friday night, pretty. We were we were expected to get to Iowa City pretty late on Friday night. We had a long first part of the day, which we'll talk about, and we'll have some content with the tag golf outing and Braylon Edwards and being I mean, out there. Was, was awesome. There was a pretty significant event that even happened before that on Thursday that yeah. we have not even talked about on this show yet. <laughs> that, that's true too. So so Thursday was a big deal. Friday was a big deal. Then we t- we hit the road. We, we actually stopped off for a nap because we were literally dead bodies. We were just like, yeah. we were both like, man, we might fall asleep at the wheel. This is going to be awful. Stopped and got some food, took a little nap, got back on the road, hit a huge bump, power cuts out. Chris manhandles her off to the side of the road in the pitch black, <laughs> desolate area of wherever the hell we were. Somehow she starts back up and drives for another 15 minutes. And then Chris again finds an exit ramp, exit 19, Geneseo, Illinois. That was home for the better part of three days. Well, I, I just want to say to anybody out there, if you've ever been driving down the highway doing about 70, I mean, we're cruising pretty good, about 70, 75. Yeah. And, uh, you know, especially an older one and you lose all power to the thing. I mean, your power steering goes, your brakes don't work the way they should. I mean, it gets pretty dicey out there. And then you're doing it at night on a highway where there's construction everywhere. I'm sure you guys can imagine <laughs> just the... Uh, 
the anxiety that comes along with that. Um, but I do want to say before, before we get into kind of like how all of that played out and, and what the end result was, I was blown away by the reception, man. Like we put out there that we, you know, that we were having some issues and, and people were just, you know, how's Rosie? How are you guys doing? You know, is everything good? I was getting like direct messages, messages asking like if there was any way that people could help out there. And I, we do this and it's like, it's a fun support group, you know, and, and we talk football and we talk sports, man. But when shit hits the fan, there were like people that were like, open arms, like, how can we help? What can we do? And, and I just think it's, again, a testament to the people that follow us and uh, couldn't be more appreciative of the, uh, you know, even walking around down in the field in Iowa City, like there were people coming down from the stands, like, you guys made it. How's Rosie? Like, how was the experience? And I mean, it was just incredible. So I, I really appreciate all of you for sure. And, and it's a bummer. We didn't get to do what we wanted to do in yeah. Iowa City in terms of posting up and meeting some of you guys out there. But, you know, that's that's part of the deal when you're trying to do something new and and, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just that's life on the road. When you're driving a when you're driving a '99 Tiffin Allegro, that comes with the territory. It's life on the road, man. Anybody who's ever done a road trip with family, mm. with friends, with your your teams, what I mean, like it hap it happens. I mean, it sucks. It, it no, there's no doubt. We would have much rather had it go off without a hitch, and it didn't. But it is what it is, and so that that ate into like I didn't write my predictions article. Me and Chris didn't even really make game predictions this week. There was little to no interaction after the game. And then Sunday when I'm doing pro football focus stuff and we're, you know, Chris has got galleries coming and video clips and flip books and all none of it. I mean, every single thing we did over the course of the entire weekend was trying to get that thing fixed off the exit ramp and get our asses back home. I mean, it was, it was a full-time job for, well, like I, I said, the better part of three days, just trying to get all that stuff figured out in a pretty remote location on a weekend. It just yeah. wasn't, there was a lot of working against us, but we're back. We're here. Rosie is still in Illinois. We, have, I, we don't have final we, word on that yet. But Did we go through the point-by-point point list that I came up starting at Thursday just so that people understand some of the things that have been happening? Because we, we talked a little bit about it, but we do have a new sponsor. We haven't had the opportunity to go on air and talk about it at all. I mean, I can just, if you want, I can run through this list and give people an idea just kind of, of how things went. Is that is that cool? Should we do I that? I think that's fine. I think that's All right, fine. Let's start. So on Thursday, on Thursday, and Brian Petrosky, yes, uh, I, it was great to meet you out there. I appreciate you coming down to say hello. And uh, again, anybody that does that, man, I, I, I always appreciate it. So Thursday of last week, Thursday of last week was a big day for your boys here. It was a big day for Rosie. We took her out to Grand Ledge. We went on the uh, the base out there. We did the photo shoot with with the command center next to the Blackhawk helicopters. And that was basically to announce our new partnership and sponsorship with the Michigan army national guard. And that is a, a partnership that I, I could not be happier about. And I've, I've told everybody this, that I've come into contact with that the experience we had on, on that base in terms of, you know, going up in the Chinooks. Yeah, that was cool. But just the interaction we had with those guys out there, they're just, it's an incredible group of people. And I walked away from that experience feeling like it was a life-changing experience. And I want to share that to as many people as we possibly can. And the stuff that they do out there is just super cool. So again, could not be more excited with the partnership with the Army National Guard. Obviously having a 30-foot RV fully branded out on the base next to a Blackhawk was was a pretty cool experience just from a personal level for, for Brandon and I to be able to pull that off. And so there's more that's going to come from that sponsorship. But that was on Thursday. So Hold Thursday on. night... Hold that thought for one moment, Chris. Yeah, let me hold it. Because I'm trying. That's why. Okay, here we go. Are you going to pull it up? 
<laughs> I feel bad for anybody that's just listening to the audio because yeah, that, okay, so true. So if you can't after the fact, everybody who's obviously tuned goodness. in right now, but after the fact, you, you you're you're looking, Whew. you would be looking live at a photo of Rosie, a Blackhawk, Chris and I posted up in between out on the tarmac. I mean, we had a thirty minute hard window. Get out there, move some things, dude. By I mean, the way, they were, they were moving choppers around for us. They were like, where do you want it? You want it over here? You want it over there? It was. They incredible. asked. I, I'm, I'm talking fully, fully uniformed Army Guard, Army National Guard officials asking a couple of jabronis like us, where do you want to put the Blackhawk? How do you want to set it up? What, what should we do? What can we? I'm like, dude, this is what is <laughs> happening right now. I mean, we really had to like look back and kind of be like, damn. And that's, um, that's look at, and, and I, I think this goes without saying, but I do want to say, um, they don't just let people do that. Like you can't no. just drive your shit out of the army base and take photos next to the helicopters. Like, so the fact that we were able to pull that off again, it's, it's a feather in the cap for us personally, but I think what it means moving forward is hopefully we're able to bring a ton of recognition to what those guys do out there with the Michigan army national guard. And that's really what it's all about. And obviously you know, they're working with us to help us achieve some of our goals. So, so grateful for that. So that happened Thursday. Quick, afternoon. Sorry, I keep interrupting you on this. Jesus Christ, Brandon. Yes, Darren. We were out there with major general Paul Rogers on the golf Paul Rogers. Course. Yes, he's sir. Been, he's been involved in all of this stuff. Well, he wasn't out there on the course. He wasn't out on, there. Yeah. yeah but he's aware, of, he's aware of what we're doing. He's working hand in hand with Lieutenant Jaron Johnson, who has kind of been like our point man on all this stuff. And, I mean, just the time we got to spend with him on the golf course on Friday, which is what Chris is about to get to next, dude. Like, I mean, there's just like a we, we've talked about this before. There's like there's an aura that me and Chris are both just yeah. like, God, you know, feel a little weird getting close to him. He's you like, can tell he's important. So important. Yeah. yeah and, you, and you can tell he's done some things in his life. And so that, that so that photo shoot on the base, that was Thursday afternoon. Thursday evening, we stay in Sunfield, Michigan. And right. we, you know, we went out with one of the guys from the, the, the Michigan army national guard. I'm not going to put his name out there because, well, maybe, maybe I should, right. Jared yeah. Johnson. We, we oh, went out right. with Jared Johnson. We, we, we had a, we had a decent night. We, you know, my wife was there. His wife was there where there was a big, you know, we were just hanging out, having fun and uh, tied one on thinking that, you know, we can make the trek tomorrow. We'll get some rest, whatever, whatever. Wake up Friday morning, go to the golf event. By the way, we facilitated having Braylon Edwards there on site. That was super cool. And and by the way, uh, Braylon had to catch a flight to go out to Iowa City in Detroit. And so he spent the first part of his day driving like two hours out of the way to come golf with us and then had to turn around and go two hours back to catch his flight at five o'clock. So that was on Friday. We That was the tag golf outing. Um, it was an incredible experience, an incredible event. I'm going to put up a story about why they do that golf outing and what they're trying to raise awareness for. But we were out there pretty much all day from about 9 to 2 o'clock, hit the road Friday night, thinking we're just going to bolt straight to Iowa City. And then that's when we break down in I or on our way to Iowa City in Geneseo, Illinois, a town I've never heard of. I lived in Illinois for, I don't know, six, seven years out in the Chicago area. Never heard of it. It's 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 out there. It's it's on the outskirts a little bit. We broke we had down. Full, we had full intentions of picking up a lot 65 RV yeah. parking permit, rolling right up to Kinnick, basically, and stashing uh, stashing Rosie right there. That's where we basically were going to sleep, sleep on campus. Night. That's that's yes. what we were going to do. But instead of sleeping on campus, we ended up sleeping on the, the side of the highway, exit 19, which has become near and dear to 
our hearts, Brandon and I, have, we wrote songs about Exit 19. We talked about Exit 19 a lot, spent a lot of time there, but we slept on the highway Friday night um, on the off-ramp. Uh, Saturday, Saturday is where things really got interesting because we woke up in the morning. We're about an hour and a half outside of Kinnick and we're thinking that we're going to be able to catch an Uber out to Kinnick. Well, we get to the gas station, we get our phones charged up. Brandon turns on his phone. Turns out we're not in an Uber serviceable era or area. So now what the hell do we do? Well, fortunately the gas station attendant was like, well, you should call the state police and, and maybe that they, maybe they can help you. Turns out not only could they help, but, but what was his name? Chris uh, Bo Beaupre, is that right? Chris Beaupre, correct. Beaupre. So Illinois State Trooper Chris Beaupre came out, picked us up, generally gave generously gave us a ride about 30 minutes to Quad City Airport, where we picked up. Again, this is the morning of the game, so we're riding out with the State Trooper, pick up a rental car at Quad City Airport, take the rental car to Iowa City. I hop out like I almost did a tuck and roll out of the car. We're pulling up late like the game like the pregame stuff has already started. I did like a tuck and roll out. Brandon had to go park it way out in the RV lot. We did make it to to Iowa City. We did make it to Kinnick. We were able to do the stuff we wanted to do there. Um and then from there it was a straight shot back to exit 19 to go make sure that Rosie was still there, that nobody had well, stole. And <laughs> as, as we walked up, as we as we drove up we th we thought the RV was gone because it was blocked behind some trees. Tucked behind some trees, we were like, "What are we gonna do?" We get out, we hit, we get on foot, and there can, she is. And listen, CJ Frazier, can I just say there he was a discussion in 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 the RV about <laughs> we contemplated reaching out to you. So that was that was discussed. You were on the show, so I felt like you would have been obligated had we called. So, so again, for everybody viewing right now, that there was home. That was, that was home. home for the weekend of, of, uh, of the trip out to Iowa city. Right. That there. Was home. And I gotta be honest, man, like sleeping on the side of a highway like that, it's kind of scary, especially when you have no power and it's dark and it's cold and there's, you know, there's trucks going by like just an interesting experience. And so we got the ride with the state trooper. We got to the, the Iowa game, obviously an incredible game. We're going to spend some time talking about that. No doubt. Uh, after the game drive back to Geneseo, uh, <laughs> I don't even know how much we want to get into the, the the mechanics that came out to take a look at it. But let's just say that they had as good of a shot as figuring out what was wrong with it as Brandon and I did. That was quite the experience. And so could not get the RV fixed Saturday night, which meant we were sleeping one more night in the RV. So again, exit 19, your boys stayed in the RV Saturday night. <laughs> now, Sunday is where things get pretty interesting here. So we have another mechanic come out. This guy seems like he kind of knows what he's doing. He's tinkering around with the engine. He's hooking sensors up to everything. He can't really put his finger on exactly what's wrong, but he has a general idea, and he can get a tow to the mechanic where Rosie currently is. So she is at a mechanic facility right now, secured facility, uh, getting worked on. Brandon and I walk to uh, the gas station to sort of get our bearings and try to figure out what, what the hell are we going to do now? What, what is yeah. the next step? And I'm sitting outside of the gas station drinking a coffee. And by this point I haven't showered in days. I'm feeling pretty like dejected. You know, it's just like, you know, we're, we're this is costing money. When the hell are we going to get home? And all of the sudden at this random gas station in Geneseo, one Mr. Uh, Isaiah hole, who's also part of the Michigan media market, just comes strolling up through the parking lot as if like a beam was glistening off of his beat. Like I just, I could not believe my eyes that there was somebody within the Michigan market on their way back to Ann Arbor. 
So Brandon corners him in the bathroom, says, hey, let me let me break down my my angle. Of <laughs> Here this. we go. So, yeah, you you take over there. <laughs> so Chris is sitting on the curb looking homeless. We essentially were. We were homeless. We, we were. We were. We were homeless people. Chris is sitting on the Chris is sitting on the curb drinking a coffee. I'm in the bathroom, just finished up some business in there. You guys can figure that out for yourselves. I'm preparing to take bathroom sink shower number three of the week. Chris actually walked in on the first one and he couldn't believe his eyes. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I walked into the bathroom in the gas station. There's Brandon like washing his hair in the sink. I'm like, what the hell doing a full body, like hot spot cleanse. Like it was incredible. I'm hitting the hot zones with some paper towel. I'm, I'm trying to rinse my hair out the best that I can. I'm, I'm just, I'm like Chris, Chris's hands on his head, you know, hands on his face in the, in the parking lot. I'm hands on my face in the bathroom stall or in the bathroom in the mirror. And I look up and there literally, I, I swear to God, this is not an embellishment. I tend to embellish for storytelling purposes. I literally look up and Isaiah is behind me in the mirror. It was like, I thought I was hallucinating. I've been lost in the desert. This is a mirage. Like what is happening? I, I may have touched him. I don't really, I kind of blacked out at this is point. Is it really you? But I'm just like, dude, we're riding home with you. And he, like, of course, he has no idea what we're even talking about. But that, those were the first words out of my mouth was like, oh my God, dude, we are riding home with you. Like, that's all we said. And I, 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 I gave him like a very fast rundown in about 10 seconds. I'm like, ah, RV, exit 19, we're stranded. Ah. And I just yeah. run out and I grab Chris and he's, I, he might have been crying at that point. I'm not sure, but he he was he was a battered man. He was defeated. Yeah. And I was like, dude, we're we're riding with Isaiah. Like, th I mean, because I had been on the phone with my dad about maybe coming to get us, which would have been a 13 hour round trip for him. We were maybe going to have to pay upwards of six seven hundred dollars to return the rental car to a place where we didn't get it from. So essentially, from yeah. the Quad City Airport in Illinois to or, or Iowa, wherever it even was, I'm not even sure which state it was in. Uh, the Quad City Airport to Detroit or, you know, DTW, whatever. It, I, Isaiah was a he was a guardian angel. But but he here, here, here was the caveat. Here was the issue, though. In order for Isaiah to give us a ride back to Ann Arbor, and keep in mind, Isaiah has already driven what at this point in almost an hour and a half to get outside of Iowa City coming, coming yeah. towards Ann Arbor. In order for this to work with Isaiah, he also has to agree to follow us 30 minutes back the opposite direction so that we can drop off the rental car that we picked up at the Quad Cities Airport, which he did. Um, he, lost, he lost roughly 45 to 50 minutes of his trip. But, sure, I but, mean, but listen, this, but listen, this is again. at the end of a long road trip work weekend. Correct. I mean, like, they're trying to get home. Brandon Justice was with him as well. So Isaiah Hole works for Wolverines Wire. Brandon Justice works for the rival site. I've known both of these dudes for a long time, but at this point, you know, we're competitors with these dudes. Like they're, you know, we're not buddy, buddy palling around with them necessarily, but I know I've known both of them for a long time. Good dudes. And like I said, I, I it didn't matter at that point. It, I, it, it could have been like, I don't know, pick, pick the worst person, you know, I'm getting in that car and riding home with them because we were, we were running out of options. And, yeah, and it so, was, so like I said, it was like, a, a so he a follows us. He follows us back to the airport again, generously offers to do that, agrees to do that. And then we, and then we pile in his ride, <clears throat> excuse me. And we make the rest of the journey back to Ann Arbor. And, and the whole time back, we, you know, we talked football and we shared stories about the media market. And it was just kind of a, you know, it was, it was an enjoyable ride to really get to know those guys and, know that they kind of face the same type of things that we face in this market. And 
you know, by the end of it, by the time you get home, you sort of reflect on that whole experience and you're like, holy shit, that was, that was a lot that happened. What would did, we what have it? ridden with Yoder? No, I would have fucking, <laughs> I'm sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> do, we have a, do we have a beep? beep? Sorry about that. No, but I would have taken his keys in his ride. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> I like that better. I like that better. But I, I guess what I want to say is, you know, we we pride ourselves on, you know, when we get content, we want to get content out to people. We want to make sure that they get it. We don't want to delay. We work our asses off to bring the stuff to you that that we do. And and for that four day stretch, man, it just kind of felt like we were disconnected from everything. And all I you know, the entire time it was, it was frustrating. And I felt, like I said, I felt defeated and I felt like, you know, the, the, the vision and the plan wasn't working. And, and I find myself today on a Monday sitting here, just feeling grateful for all of it, man, like grateful for the way it played out. It was a hell of an experience. I don't want to go through it again, obviously, <laughs> yeah. but man, this is how, this is how you build a callus. This is how you really earn your stripes in this industry. And I think, uh, you know, you have not seen the last of Rosie. I can tell you that she she will be back in the fold. She will be ready for Penn State. I guarantee you that. Um, and uh, you know, we'll we'll get back on our game and we'll get back on our regularly uh, scheduled uh, programming. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. I mean, that's that's been the biggest thing. I, I mean, for me too. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it was a bummer, and it's it's gonna cost some money. Like, that's never good. But like, dude, we were it's a big road game, Iowa, another win, and we. I mean, dude, we've barely put anything out, and it's just, I mean, there wasn't a way to do it. I mean, unless we yeah. sacrificed all the other stuff that we were trying to do to get her fixed up and get home and get stuff figured out, it just it was really hard. I mean, we didn't have power in the in the thing. I mean, both of our phones were like damn near dead. We'd get up in the morning and like sprint over to the gas station again and plug in and just try yeah. to get everything squared away. So this weekend we'll be going to Indiana. We'll be in Bloomington. No Rosie, that's a bummer, but we'll be there. We're happy about that. We're excited, and then. Hopefully the, the prayer is um, the prayer is that we will, we will have Rosie back in Ann Arbor for the Penn state game, which we now know is at noon. We've got several buddies coming into town. That's going to be a big one. And that that's, that's where we will be at. And I mean, all, you know, all things considered, we're good. We are good. Yeah, and we're back yeah. and we're excited to be back on the live stream and talking to you guys. So that's, that's a pretty detailed rundown of, uh, of what exactly went on and what, took place over the weekend and Chris was down there again. Can I also say, can I also say the RV has been going through a bit of it. We had to have the exhaust fixed on. Like we did take it to a mechanic before. Like I want people to know yeah. that we took this to a couple different mechanics on the way out, had, you know, new, new timing belts, new spark plugs, new, you know, distributor. Like we, we did some work to this thing to get it roadworthy. And I think what happened was just kind of one of those fluke things where we hit a bump that that's neither here nor there, but uh, where the hell was I going with that? What was I going to say? I think so, did somebody say something about you know like that it wasn't ready to drive or something? I don't know what what got you on that. Yeah, game. something. I mean, we did we did try to do our due diligence there to get her ready. I think I had a I I thought the I was going to need to go fund me. Was that maybe it? I don't know. But I, look, we we yeah. did. I mean, new tires, a full tune up, top to bottom, new exhaust, exhaust manifold. I mean, like we did everything possible. At the end of the day, she's still a twenty three year old RV, and it's a big old True. piece of machinery. And rolling on down the road, we hit a big bump and something. We it think it like something shook loose electronically and then cam, camshaft sensor. Is that what they're something like that? A, a, a camshaft sensor, nah, some sort, was, basically uh, some sort of sensor that tells the tells the crank. engine to fire. Yeah, crankshaft uh, sensor, some shit like that. It basically tells the the engine when to fire. And so, I think the part is probably going to be like a $30, 40 dollar part, but the tow and everything else is going to 
be quite expensive. So yeah, there you go. Camshaft position sensor. That's that's what it sounds like it was. And uh, you know, that's the deal. But she so, will be ready to roll again, make no mistake. And we'll have a little bit more information about it Wednesday, hopefully. That's what they told Chris today when they might be able to get a, a good look at it. And uh yeah, I mean, yes, we're we're pretty certain it's not gonna require a total rebuild of the motor. Like that's not the that's not the yeah. issue that we were gonna that we were going to have with this. Well, hey. <laughs> you know, and I, I'll try not to do this as much. Maybe yeah. there was, there was someone complaining about the siren. They're like, the siren is killing me. You guys got to do away with the siren. Like, I'm glad <laughs> maybe there, maybe we do an applause instead the small applause, you know, the applause is just, it, it's not as, you know, I mean, that's nice. That's gentle on the ears. All right. Appreciate Thank you. you Thank you very much. That's big time um yeah and yeah it was an experience and like i like chris said i mean like you know i don't know like a tiny sliver of fun i mean it was like oh now we're like we're now I remember, about it I remember what like, i was gonna say i remember what i was gonna say so yeah i was talking about the exhaust we had to have some things worked on it so she's she's leaking some fumes she's got some fumes coming in and the first night brandon and i are sleeping there like there was a point where Brandon had asked me on a scale from one to 10, how concerned was I that we might die in that RV from the, from the, the fumes that were coming in overnight. And Brandon, if you know, most of you out there have never been fortunate enough to sleep with Brandon in, in close quarters, but I can tell you he's not a quiet sleeper. Like, you know, Brandon's sleeping. Like it sounds like he's working over there. And Brandon was eerily quiet on, uh, on Friday night in the RV to the point where like I had, I had had to convince myself multiple times. Like it, no, he's still alive back there. I know he's still alive. He's fine. <laughs> but just to give you an idea, I thought Brandon might be dead in the back of the RV. That was also something that was on my mental. Yeah. I mean, and Fletch lives daily. Thank you. There's another, uh, another appreciate donation. You. Really appreciate, appreciate that. Um, yeah, so on Friday night when we're discussing, we're like, all right, let's go to bed. We'll figure out this, whatever, whatever. I'm like, you know, it's it's a little fumey in there. I do have a battery-powered fan that I've hooked up at Walmart, so that's going. It's not very loud, but it's moving the air around a little bit. Got the up the the vent up open up above. Got the windows open a little bit, yeah. but again, it's freeze. It's cold. I mean, it's like in the 30s, late, high 30s, low 40s. So we didn't want to leave the windows wide open. And I, I mean, Chris and I are talking, and I literally said like. I'm making a decision right now to go to bed and I might not wake up. Like that's a real possibility that's where right we were. Now. That's where we and were. I just fell asleep and we were fine. But I mean, I was like 35% kidding. I mean, like, like <laughs> I thought I'm probably straight, but like, I, I don't know, man. Like there might be some problems with sleeping back here after yeah. driving this thing for six or seven hours and then yeah. having, you know, she having a little uh, fumey, a little fumey. Having to try to start it for so long. And there was no cuddling. There's no uh, separate beds, of course. Separate beds. I believe Chris did get naked in the RV. I did get naked in the RV. Well, your boy had to change. I mean, look, if I couldn't shower, I at least had to change. That that was so, a must. So now I am no longer the leader in the clubhouse for removing clothes in the RV. That belo yeah. that title belongs to Chris. Yeah. And well, uh circumstances warranted the change. <laughs> The first night Chris said he was so cold, he was shivering and I woke up like sweating. I had like the biggest down blanket I've ever seen. I felt like, I felt like, uh, you know, Lloyd <laughs> Christmas on, you know, Chris is like, oh, the freezing. And I'm like, here, take this extra blanket, man. I'm freezing sorry. my ass off up there in the front while Brandon's in the back, just silently but, sleeping, possibly dead, but mostly just dead. having a good night's rest. 
And that was there our weekend. <laughs> there you have it. So we're back. We are we're ready back. now. Whoo! And uh, and we're ready for a show because it's been a minute, and we wanted to get into it, and that's exactly what we're gonna do. So yeah, we will start right there, Chris. We talked about it in the in the car. Like I said, it wasn't live. We had no interaction. We you know whatever. the The game was the game. Um, another kind of like not flashy, not, but you look up and, oh, there's Michigan winning by double digits on the road in Kinnick and five and oh, and we've had this talk a lot this year already. We had it a ton last year and I I don't know, man. I just find myself still saying like this team is just going to keep winning and there's a very real chance they're 11 and oh, when they go to Columbus at the end of the season. So we all just need to shut the hell up and watch the wins pile up. Right. Or no. Yeah, I think, <clears throat> excuse me. I think that's where, I think that's where I'm sort of coming to. And we said this a little bit, or we talked about it on, on the post game video that we put out where there was an assumption on our part. And I think a large part of the fan base assumed that, you know, you give JJ the keys to this offense and you're going to see a totally different Michigan football team. You're going to see, you know, explosive plays. You're going to see, you know, deep balls down the field, hitting all of those, you know, the, we, we call them Ferraris, all of those weapons that they have. You're going to see all of that come to fruition. And so far through five weeks, you really have it. Now, I, again, I get it. Michigan hasn't, it hasn't been a necessity. They, they didn't need to do it. But the point is that they still haven't done it up until this point. And so it had me wondering like, man, like, Really, was it Cade McNamara that was limiting the offense, or is it just this is how Michigan plays offense? And some of the things we've heard suggest that Jim Harbaugh is completely content with playing bully ball for the remainder of the year, running with Blake Corum, using his tight ends, and occasionally using his wide receivers when he needs to. Now, what I will say is, from an entertainment standpoint, that does very little for me, but as long as they keep winning and if they can, at a minimum, repeat the results from last year, this year, by doing it the same exact way, then you really have to sit back and question, like, I, I don't know. Like, it is just a style preference thing. Like, Michigan is winning, doing it their way. They've been doing it. They did it all last year. They're doing it so far this year. And if they continue to do it, then I think we just need to come to terms with that's what this Michigan offense looks like. Now, what does that mean from a recruiting standpoint? Are you going to be able to bring in, you know, high four or five star type receivers that want to play in an offense like that? I'm not so sure, but I mean, in, in the, in the near future, if Michigan can get that win in Columbus, if they can get back to the big 10 championship, win that get to a college football playoff again and do it the same way, you're not going to hear any complaints from me about it. I just find myself in the same position that I was last year. I don't believe this brand of football is good enough to win in Columbus. At home, it was a different animal. You had guys like um, Ojabo and Hutchinson. I mean, you you had some, some dudes that were there. I think this year they're going to need more out of that offense. I think they're going to need it through the air, and, and I'm just a little bit concerned that we haven't quite seen it come to fruition yet. You, you mentioned something that I, I sent you. Somebody sent it to me. I trust it implicitly. I think we're going to have a little bit of an article about it this week. The quote itself might be in that article, but I wanted to read it out loud. Um, again, I, I trust this completely. If you don't, cool. Uh, Chris, well, based on what we've seen and what we saw all of last year, I don't know why you would have a problem believing this, but this is, what I was told. this is what I was told. Um, it's highly likely that Luke Schoonmaker will finish the year Michigan's leading pass catcher. 
Jim Harbaugh has every intention to be a run-heavy offense the rest of the season with the way Blake Corum has played. He thinks the standard is 25 or so carries a game for Blake going forward. And, you know, when you read that and you hear that and you think about how the games have looked and the final scores and things like that, you're like, oh, man. But then, yeah, like 11-0 and or 12-0 and or 11-1 and and maybe, like, that'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, that would be cool. And, and that's probably what's going to happen with that approach. You asked me, I think, on the way back when we were driving. I don't know if it was on the on the on the video that we we put out there, but you said like, what what you know what is Michigan? And I was like, dude, they're like a sumo wrestler. They well, that's lean on you, dude, and lean on question. you. Like, it, it, and I'll ask you just on the show, just like I did when we were in the car. If you're if you're the opposing team, what scares you the most about Michigan? Oh, that's that's how you worded it, and I yeah. I, I said uh, just playing the game for four quarters and beating you by 20. I mean, like that's, I'd be afraid of that's what they do. That's what they do. Like when I look at them, like specifically the offense, like, ah, the speed, nah, the outside run game, nah, quarterback run, not so much throwing it all over through them. Not really tight ends. Yeah. Tight ends are pretty good. The final score, the final score and how they just beat up on teams and win is what is what's the scariest thing about Michigan for opponents. And that sounds kind of silly to say, but I, I mean, when you go through each individual part of the offense, like even the running game this year is not like, I mean, Blake Corum has been fantastic. He's, yeah. you know, at the top or leading the country and rushing touchdowns, but like, they're not just, you know, they're not running for two, three, 400 yards rushing. Like they did sometimes last year. It's, it's strange. They, they, it's efficient. They don't commit penalties. They don't turn the ball over. They just down the field. You look up at the scoreboard at the end, double digit win on to the yeah. next one. And it's, it was like that all of last year, pretty much tiny bit of a little hiccup against Rutgers, but it's still a win. You go into Wisconsin, nothing so super crazy, but you win, you win, you win, you win. You just win. And you know, the Michigan state game is another animal. And I saw, you know, I saw CJ talking about it earlier they did throw the ball quite a bit that week, but they, they, you know, at the end of the day, it was a loss, but I don't know, man, it's a really weird question that seems harder to answer than it should be when you've got a team that's as efficient and good as Michigan is top 15 in the country in D offense, top yeah, 10 in the country in defense. Is that what it was? Well, we, that's the other thing we sat down and did and I, and we'll, we'll get into it later in the show, but we were, we were trying to like go back and look and see, you know, with what type of offense Michigan has and what type of defense Michigan has and where they're ranked, like go back the last, you know, to 2014, look at the college football playoff and look at the teams that have won a national championship and what kind of offense did they have? Where did they rank in yards per play? Where did the defense rank in yards per play? And actually caveat real quick, yards per play is a huge metric when it comes to like handicappers and spreads and which teams win against other teams. Like, it's it's not all about points necessarily because some yeah. teams give up a lot of points while scoring a lot of points. It's not all about just passing yards or just rushing yards. Yards per play given up on defense and yards per play gained on offense is a very, very good metric for telling you which teams are actually the best teams in the country. And when you look at these lists, man, like it's it's pretty telling. Yeah, and 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 I'm going to put out an article about this, and I think Brandon and I are going to talk about it a little bit later on in the show. But basically what these numbers are telling us is if you go back and you look at all of the teams that have won national championships during the college football playoff era, Michigan, at least statistically, 
is right where they need to be. I mean, they are right where they need to be. And in fact, they're in a better spot than most of the teams, you know, collectively on both sides of the ball than, than most of the teams that have won national championships. I mean, there's, there's three teams over the course of those, you know, since 2014 that have had it a little bit better, but man, it, it, you know, we're, we're looking at this offense and we're like, why can't it be more? Why can't it be more? And then we start to break down, you know, some of these statistics and some of these rankings and it's like, holy shit, Michigan is, you know, top 15 here, they're top 15 there. And then you look at what teams have produced that, that have won national championships. And there's not many that have been top 15 in both. And so we'll get into that conversation a little bit later, but yeah, I think, uh, I think it's, it, it really comes down to, I've got to reprogram myself to, to appreciate what Michigan is doing offensively, because for me, it, it that style of play has never appealed to me. I've always believed that you've got to be a type of team that spreads it out. You you stretch the field. You can take the top off of the defense. Like that, to me, is how you win national championships. Michigan hasn't won a national championship, obviously, but I don't think anybody's going to complain if they keep winning Big Ten titles, doing it their way. And and I won't be one of those people again. If they can duplicate it, the success from last year, then you're not going to hear me complaining about, ah, throw the ball, use your weapons, whatever. I mean, because if it's working, it's working. And at the end of the day, championships are what matter. All right. So with all that stuff considered, what we just talked about, how the offense has looked, what it's, you know, the running game versus this versus that, the tight ends involved, the receivers, not as much. I got a, a, a pretty big discussion. We're going to have just about JJ McCarthy and what, because of what Chris said, we thought the offense was going to be this with JJ. It hasn't really been Chris and I on the walkout from the Iowa game kind of said, you know, everybody might have been given a little too much crap to Cade McNamara because 18 of 24 for 155 and a touchdown sounds a lot like a Cade McNamara stat line, and that's what J.J. McCarthy did in, in Iowa City on Saturday. So we're going to talk about that in just a minute as soon as we hear a word from Mediascapes. Hey, this is Rich from Mediascapes located in Burton. Let me fill you in a little bit about our business. We are a full-service sign and graphic company from banners, yard signs, to vehicle wraps. When it comes to marketing your business, we also provide video and photography services, as well as apparel and promotional items. If it's something that will make your business organization stand out, we do it. And I guarantee we do it well. We are Mediascapes on Dora Highway, south of Bristol Road, just before Rock Bottom. Check our work at Mediascapes.com. That's Mediascapes with a K.com. As always, the banner, Mediascapes with a K. Dot com 810-410-4737 in beautiful Burton, Michigan. Check them out over there. And I will say this, Chris. Rosie might not have performed mechanically, but damn, did she look sexy sitting on the side of that so road. So good on the side of the highway. So good. That's thanks to Rich and Mediascapes over there, that rap. The, I mean, and dude, you rolled out there like last minute, and the graphic designer front desk young lady, Emily, steps into the back of the office and throws a, a new decal on the side of, of Rosie like like that, dude, like, like that. instantly, and it was flawless. That's how they work down there. That's how they roll. So anyway, um, here's what I looked up, Chris, about, about J.J. McCarthy, and I just want to throw a few things at you yeah, because of what you said and what we, what we discussed and what we kind of came to coming out of the game. Like, well, maybe it wasn't Cade. Maybe, you know, I don't know. It was J.J. Eh, whatever. We know is JJ. Is got- it time to bench JJ? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hot take. Everybody. No, there's it, an article. <laughs> it's more about it's more about what we think he's capable of, yeah. what we've seen evidence of, and what's actually taking place on the field. That that's what this little discussion is going to be about. And now I saw someone earlier say 
Oh, strength of schedule, though. We're getting into territory where you can't say that shit anymore. They've now got two Big Ten games under their belt. One in Kinnick, which is supposed to be an impossible place to play against the number one defense in the country at that time. And Maryland looks a lot freaking better than a lot of people thought Maryland was going to be. So Maryland is still the only team in the country to score on Michigan in the first half yet through five. UConn just went out and got a win over a pretty darn good Fresno State team. So this straight look. I'm not going to sit here and defend the first three games of the year, but you also have to remember it was a lot of guys playing. The starters weren't in for very long. There's a lot, but we're, we're getting away from being able to use that excuse. So if you're one of those guys that likes to throw that out at every passing turn, get it, get it in while you can, because it's going away. They're getting ready to play the third big 10 game. They're getting ready to get into the meat of the schedule. You're going to have to shelf that shit at some point because it's not going to be valid anymore. But these numbers that I looked at, I just want to see where your thoughts are, Chris. I want to see some of the comments as I put them out there, and we're just we're just going to go with what's happened. This isn't me cherry-picking. This isn't me focusing on, well, it was this team or it was this situation. This is just – this is black and white. This is grabbing a, sc- a column and reading what it says. All right, can we do that? Yeah, let's do it. Here's what we got. J.J. McCarthy in the country nationally. He is 77th in the country with six touchdown passes. Okay. 77th and actually it's like there was a ton of people in the country with six touchdown passes so it's actually more people than that but like ranking wise that's where he's at because he's tied with a bunch of guys and there's there's other guys with more the leader in the country i can't remember who it was off the top of my head has 19 touchdown passes okay so there's there's one if at any point chris you want to jump in and say ah i, I gotta talk about this one do that well that's i, I mean that, that right there and we talked about it was in the car and i was trying to i think over the last three games jj has three touchdown passes right over yep. the last three games and so i don't know that like i get it blake quorum is incredible blake quorum and you know it'll be part of the burning questions thing but blake quorum is as good of a running back in the country as anybody else. And it's time that everybody starts acknowledging that. And I think people in this market get it, but from a national standpoint, like Blake Corum is the real deal. But the fact that JJ McCarthy has six touchdown passes on the season, three over the last three games, I just, I, I'm blown away by that. I, it's, it's the same thing that we talk about with the wide receivers. Do they have to have a bunch of catches? Do they have to get the touchdown? We talked to Braylon Edwards a little bit about that on Friday, and we're going to have that interview come out, and he had some interesting things to say. I mean, think what you want about Braylon Edwards. Dude caught, like, what, 97 balls in a single season? I mean, nobody's going to touch the type of production that he put up. So I think what he says on this topic carries some weight. But with J.J., the same thing, like – you know, you're still seeing some of the misses deep. You're still seeing some of those connections not happen. And 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 I'm just, if you would have told me that he would go on a streak of, you know, one touchdown a game or not even throw one against UConn or have three over the last three games, like I just wouldn't believe it. Like to me, he's the type of talent where he should have two or three touchdown passes each game minimum because that means JJ is now doing his part the wide receivers are getting involved. And then obviously there's going to be plenty of leftover for Blake. And and maybe some of that is a result of the play calling and they get to a spot where they feel comfortable and they don't want to push the ball down the field or they don't feel like they've got to continue to put points on the board. I don't know what it is. I just, I don't like the, what did you say his ranking is? Where is he at? 77th. 77th in the country in touchdown passes. I'm just, I, I don't think that's a great place to be for a former five-star recruit who many thought was going to be the game changer in this offense. And it looks like he's just kind of, 
you know, playing within the system that was already there before. All right. So he's 77th in touchdown passes with six. He's 99th in yards per game with 169 yards passing per game. 99th. He Again, what, five and zero, oh, but yep. does that matter though? Does, like, that's what that's where this whole dynamic comes into play. Is like, that's not great in and of itself, but five and zero oh is really great. And so, how do you, you know, how do you square that? And, and this one is where I'm just like, good lord, man, he's 118th in the country in passing attempts with 84. Through six games, he has thrown the ball 84 times. Just for just for comparison purposes, Penn State also undefeated, correct? Correct. Sean Clifford, I don't think he has an arm that could. I, he can't hold JJ's jock when it comes to throwing the football. Right. He's thrown it fifty three more times than JJ has. But they don't have a Blake Corum. Yeah, they got a pretty damn good running back in Singleton, who's a freshman. He ain't Blake Corum. He's, he's he's pretty darn good. Connor Basilak, by the way, who Michigan plays this weekend, the quarterback for Indiana has thrown it 246 times, 162 more times than J.J. Now, on the flip side, you said it. Well, they don't have a Blake Corum. They don't need to do it. They're 5-0. and oh. They don't need to have J.J. throw the ball. Well, you know, you recruit a live-armed, athletic, talented five-star quarterback to come and throw the ball. Like, that's, I mean, that's how I've been led to believe college football works. He's completing 78.6% of his passes. That's number one in the country. It's the best mark in the entire country. He's also hitting 10 point. He's also getting 10.1 yards per completion, which is sixth in the country. So what I see is that when he's allowed to uncork it and he's allowed to throw it as much as he possibly wants to throw it, he hits his target he's and he good. Puts it in the right spot and he gets yards. Now, so you come back to, does he really need to do it? Another, uh, the, and this is the last stat. J.J. McCarthy has also thrown zero interceptions. There are only six quarterbacks in the country who have thrown it more times than him without a pick. So again, like the first the first chunk of stats I was reading off was like lack of opportunity, in my yeah. opinion. 118th in attempts. Like, what, what is he supposed to do? He, you know, but on the flip side, it's like, well, when he does throw it, it's really good, man. Like, really good. And so it comes back to everything we've talked about. The five and zero is great. Michigan's going to keep. They're going to. They're favored by a bunch over Indiana. They're going to be favored by Penn State even at home. They're going to be favored, 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 favored. Probably going to be a little tighter spread. I would guess Ohio State will be favored at home, and then we see what that looks like. It's probably for the Big Ten championship bid and maybe a, a spot in the college football playoff again. So. so so there's here's my a, question. There's with, a lot of discussions to be had here, in my opinion. By the way, that, do you want to shit your pants real quick? Just real fast. No, I'm good. One of the quarterbacks who has thrown more passes than J.J. McCarthy and not thrown an interception, Adrian Martinez at Kansas. The, the Nebraska transfer to Kansas State. I just I couldn't go. believe that name when I saw it. All right. So, here, so, so here's the deal. So and I see this in the comments all the time, you know. JJ only played, you know, the first half of, you know, three games in the season. They haven't had to do X, Y, and Z. And when they get into this game, they're going to open it up. Or I think they're going to do this later on in the game. At no point in time have we ever said that the type of production we want to see from JJ McCarthy in the passing game is necessary for the game that they're in. It hasn't been, and that's been clear. And again, they can run this style of offense all the way to 11 and 0. I truly believe that. But 
the question is, what happens when you do need it? And and I just have a hard time coming to grips with waiting to use it until you absolutely need it because those those misses deep to Roman Wilson or those misses deep. Now I know he connected on one to Andrew Anthony, but those are going to be a hell of a lot more costly against a Penn State or even a Michigan State who you know is going to give you everything they got, and particularly in Ohio State on the road. You cannot afford, if you've got Roman Wilson down the sideline with with six steps on his defender and you overshoot him by four feet, that's a big problem if you're taking points off the board in those types of games. And so again, yes, Michigan doesn't have to do it. And will they be able to do it when it's absolutely necessary? Maybe. But that's just a risky, that's a risky proposition, man. When you're when you're basically saying, like, look, if we need JJ to go back and, and throw 35 passes and and we need five touchdown passes through the air from him, we believe we can do it. This whole thing about putting it on film, and let me ask you this, Brandon. I know people say, well, you don't want to put it on film or you don't want to show too much. Isn't there something to putting that on film? Doesn't that give a defense more to think about if those are completions to Roman, if you're hitting Andrell deep, if Ronnie Bell's going, I mean, don't you have to account for so much more on the defensive side of the ball? Like to me, there's less risk on your end by showing it and it gives the defense more to consider when they have to prep for you. That, you know, the the dual threat of JJ McCarthy has been pretty much non-existent. I mean, we know he's got the speed, we know he's got the athleticism, but that has not been part of the game so far, granted, you don't want to get him injured. Cade's injured. I get all of that. But at some point, now you're six weeks into the season. I just think it's it's necessary that these things start to happen. And and somebody just said it. Somebody, and, and I can't see where the comment is because it went up. But what this really boils down to is this is where Michigan is now. If you want Michigan to compete for national championships, then these are the types of things, expectations that you have to have. You have to expect that they can go out and have a competent deep passing game when they need it. You know, so I, I just, this idea that it's, it's in the bag and it's going to happen and just wait and see and yada, yada, yada. I, I don't buy into it, man. I think there's so much value with putting it on tape and if nothing else, proving to yourself that you can do it in a game and it just hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And again, you're five and oh. Yeah, and there there is there certainly is the recruiting angle. We've talked about that, you know, trying to get the best quarterbacks, the best receivers, the best skill guys to your school. You couple Michigan struggles with NIL with that and it, it you know, we'll see a year or two or three down the road. This year is going to be fine. Michigan's probably going to beat everybody and then we'll see what happens in Columbus. I mean, no, Charles Collins, that is completely inaccurate. I don't give a shit about what's on the stat. It's it's not about it's not just about the stat in Jesus. He referenced Bo. I didn't even get, just take it off. All righty. <laughs> like, I'm not going to waste my time on it. It's, uh, it's, it's about having what you need when you need it. Can I, I just mean, say it's 2022. Can we stop referencing Bo Schembechler for Christ's sakes? I mean, I, I, we're not far enough away from it yet. For God's sakes. It's irrelevant. I mean, who the hell cares what he would have done? It doesn't God. matter. If Michigan just had Tom Harmon, dude, like they can damn it. That's what Columbus, we need. Oh, that's what we need. All right. Um, anybody got Fritz Chrysler out there? So that that was again just just kind of going through the numbers. You know, when I saw the eighty-four com- attempts, hundred and eighteenth in the country. I mean, there are literally. Mm-hmm. I think I, I I was trying to find. I think there's some teams with more with two guys. Like a guy has gotten hurt two, three, four games in, and now guys played two or three more games. 
more throws than JJ, but that's neither here nor there. I just think like you get a kid like that. You've got the weapons like that, you, you know, be a more complete team. So, and also, like we said, work on, work on the kinks, man, get them worked out. So you're not missing those deep balls when you're on the road in Kinnick. I mean, like, I know they won the game. We talked about this on the, on the recording and on Saturday. And I, I, you know, Michigan had 18 first downs in the first half and only six in the second half. And, you, you know, Iowa was just so bad on offense, but like they were a player two away from making that thing pretty hairy in an environment that you said could have got difficult real quick. And it, it didn't cause they weren't very good. They weren't. I, will say that. I mean, look, I, I say what you want about Iowa, the football team. It was my first time in Kinnick Brandon. I believe your first time in yep. Kinnick. It does not take much at all for the top to blow off that stadium. I mean, they are loud. That is a tough environment. Michigan did a great job of taking them out of it. Obviously the fans were frustrated for the better part of the afternoon, but you know, just as a quick side note, that is an incredible place to go watch football and uh, very happy that we were able to make it out. I would have been extremely sad to miss that opportunity. A N F Chris America needs America them. needs farmers. I was walking up and I don't, I don't think I said this. I was walking up to the stadium and and obviously I'm in a hurry, so I'm not going to stop and kind of take everything in. But I, I look over to my left, and there is a massive black combine with, like, the Hawkeye logo on it and just rednecks galore hanging off of it left and right, drinking, partying, music blaring off of this thing. I was like, this is it. This is Iowa. This is what it was about. It was just the environment there. Again, same thing when we went to Camp Randall, same thing when we went out to Penn State game. I mean, that that has been one of the coolest uh, parts of this whole deal is just, you know, the the different traditions that you get when you go different places and Kinnick is right up there, man. It was awesome. Craig, I'm not sure if you're, you know, actually asking like bigger stadium in terms of like attendance or whatever, but I will say today at um at the press conference, Ryan Hayes said that Nebraska last year is still the loudest, craziest environment they've ever played. He's ever played in. So and yep. he's, you know, he's been around for four years. So, uh, you, you know, maybe if Kinnick or maybe if Iowa was a little better, I mean, I, you know, if they had an offense that could really get going and get up and down the field, I, I would have met, you know, they hit a 70 yard touchdown pass or something. I mean, Chris, you could speak to it better than me being down on the field. I'm sure that place would have, it would have been, been a problem and it would have been a problem. It would have yeah. been a problem because you could see even at even at 20 to nothing, like it, there was always that thing in the back of your mind, like, you know, let's just wait and see what happens here. <laughs> Hard to tell in the press box, but I know like it didn't. I mean, Michigan was really efficient. And it didn't happen a lot, but anytime they got Michigan to a third down, the place would turn yeah. up pretty good. Yeah. And get, I mean, so it was incredible. You know, if it had been a better game, closer game, more explosive, bigger plays for the home team, I'm sure it would have been a little hairier than that. All right, Chris, we got a decision to make. We're 55 minutes in. We haven't done TFG, which that, that's a Monday tradition. And yep. we haven't even started burning questions yet. All right. I've got my kid upstairs blazing past his bedtime with grandpa who doesn't do anything to get him ready for bed. We got to figure something out right Let's now. We did this. a lot of talking about Rosie. We did a lot of talking about the Iowa game because we didn't do that yet. And we did a lot of talking about JJ McCarthy just now. So we, we, we need to make a decision here. Let's do this. We got to do TFG. Okay. Maybe we push burning questions to Wednesday. Cause that segment, I mean, that, that alone can take us 30 minutes. It's, it's yeah. a long segment. 
but we got to do the TFG stuff. And then, yeah, maybe, maybe we close up shop, get our bearings, and then come back Wednesday. Obviously, fan-led Wednesday. You guys will help guide us through that. So we'll talk a little bit about our burning questions. But, you know, maybe it's we open it up to fan burning questions. It's the same type of thing. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll try to figure out something to do. But, yeah, I mean, put in an hour and a half, an hour, 45 minute, maybe even a two-hour show if we go down this road. So I think we uh, – Maybe let's hit a couple fan questions. I saw one from, let me go up and see. Let me get to it really quick because I thought it was a good question from Chris Fields. Uh, Chris Fields said, are the concerns you guys have both offensively and defensively things that you believe can be fixed in short order, you know, pretty much before the Penn State game? I think it's a good question. What do you think? See, here's the deal. I don't, I don't even know if I'd qualify them as concerns. Like they're five and zero, oh, and they've been winning pretty handily. I mean, I know things got a little tight against Maryland and got close to being tight against Iowa, but like, <laughs> who the hell is this Mike Valenti guy that keeps showing? Up in the <laughs> he's got he's got him down. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just I... <clears throat> well, I'm, okay. Let me ask. I you have this. concerns. I mean, I, obviously, I have concerns. Let's say they play the way they played in the first half for the whole game against Iowa. They probably win that game by 25 points. Yeah. Yeah. 18 first downs versus six. And that's not anything Iowa did. I think Michigan, you know, put it on cruise control. Here's the thing. It's not the, the concern I have isn't something that needs to be necessarily fixed. It's like a decision that gets made. That's <laughs> yeah, all it is. It's go. like you just open the door and you let those guys go and play and you let them have a game. Like Blake Corum is, is getting to eat. Like we know the running game is, we know the running game is a known commodity. It works. You can rely on it. You can take Blake Corum at home on the road. He's a known commodity. You're going to get production out of him. Same out of Donovan Edwards, extremely talented, whether it's rushing and the passing game, catching ball dudes, extremely talented. To me, it's just a decision that needs to be made by Jim Harbaugh, Sharon Moore, Matt Weiss, that look, this is the weekend. We see what this passing game is all about. Like we know we've had some misfires here. I think JJ McCarthy alluded to the fact that, you know, they're ready to open up the air raid. Like the guys are chomping at the bit. He actually used air raid. And yes, you did. and when you compare that to you know, reportedly what Jim Harbaugh's philosophy is for the remainder of the year, like those two things are at odds with each other. So to me, the concern isn't about something that needs to be fixed. It's about when are they going to let this passing game go out and show what it's capable of? Not just for the yahoos like us who want to see it, but for themselves so that they know when they go down to Columbus that that's there and they've got that. And you know who else knows it? The folks down in Columbus because they're going to have to deal with it and account for it. And I think that puts Michigan in a better spot. If I'm playing Michigan, I am loading the box. I'm not letting Blake Corm run all over me, and I'm daring J.J. McCarthy to beat me with his arm in this passing game. And, and that's what I'm. That's how I'm planning for this Michigan offense. And so, you know, if they go down to Columbus and that's what the Buckeyes do, and J.J. misfires on a couple of those deep balls and you take 14 points off the board in what will probably be an otherwise close game, that's going to be painful. Doesn't hurt as much when you're up on the road in, in, against Iowa, who has no offense whatsoever. Those misfires are going to hurt a lot when you've got a team on the other end that's got a, a not just a competent offense, but an offense that can score at a high clip. Yeah. And there's been a couple, you know, JJ has fumbled three or four times now and Michigan's got back on all of them. He almost threw a pick against, was that UConn down by the five yard line? He threw it like right to a linebacker. He just kind of dropped it. So like, yeah, I mean, you, you, 
against better teams. You know, you need to press a little bit more. Maybe those plays don't go your way. And then all of a sudden you, you need to do what Chris just said. You need to open it up and hit those big plays and really get the passing in going and score in a hurry. Um, that's, that's the fear, I guess. And it's several weeks away now. Cause I just frankly don't think there's any other team that's on the same level as Michigan. I, mean, Penn, I think, Ohio you know, State. outside of Penn state, Penn state's, you know, they, they look decent. They look solid. I think they're going to give Michigan another, you know, but it, it's in the big house and we'll see. I just think, look, Indiana, I've been saying this for weeks. Michigan has the perfect opportunity to go down to Indiana and sling the ball a little bit. And, and just get a rhythm there. And again, we talked to Braylon Edwards about this and how important it is for wide receivers to be involved, not just out there blocking, not just touching the ball sometimes, but being involved in the offense, being a legitimate part of the offense. And there's something to that. And I think, you know, you're into week six now. You're starting to run out of opportunities to, to figure out what you have there. And what you don't want to do is try to figure it out at a time when you desperately need it, because I think that just puts too much pressure on everybody. I see I've seen some people ask about Penn State. You know, I I've never been that impressed with Sean Clifford, but he's effective. Uncle Clifford. very experienced. Never been that impressed with James Franklin, but he seems to win a big ass game every year. He's not incompetent, but I'm just, you know, he does some boneheaded stuff here and there. He's done some boneheaded stuff against Michigan. But I'll tell you what, man. I know Auburn's not that good this year, but going down to Auburn and beating that team 41 to 12 on their home field in the deep, you know, deep South heart of SEC country. And Auburn's got athletes. I mean, they're, that's not, it's not right. a, it's not a draw. It's not an empty cupboard program. They're just not very good right now. That's impressive, dude. That I don't care. Like what's, what's really going on with that team this year or what, you know, what exactly it looks like. That's an impressive win to win like that 41 to 12. I mean, if they had gone down there and won, you know, 15 to 12 or something, I'd be like, well, you know, we'll, we'll see what they really are, but that's Auburn, dude. That's on Auburn's home field. And they, yeah. and they did not, they went down there and handled them. So to answer the question, I mean, Penn state's never going to be a pushover. They recruit just about as good as Michigan. They've got talent. They've got experience at quarterback. They've got athletes. They've got speed. I mean, they're going to be the best team Michigan plays to that point. There's no doubt about that. But I, you know, I still think Michigan's going to be the better team. They'll be favored, and we'll see what it looks like. And that that might be a game where you need to open it up a little bit and keep pace and score some points. And we'll see, you know, we'll see what that ends up looking like. So that you know, that was a few weeks ago. Now that Penn State went down and got that win, and they just they just keep stacking up wins too. Uh, what they only won by like seven or ten or something this weekend over I Northwestern, so. I think. Right? Yeah. So you know, every every team has a you know has some games like that, and that's why you play them. So you never know what it's going to look like. But all right, let's get into TFG. We'll wrap it up there, and we'll 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 push burning questions a little bit because we're now north of an hour anyway. <laughs> you want to lead it off? <laughs> this fucking guy. I will, and the, the, you know, Chris, this, this is fucking guy. This really isn't going to hit home with you, but it does with me. And I'm guessing of the almost 300 people that are watching this right now, there's a pretty good chunk of people who are also going to be like, "Yes, dude, Aaron Glenn, what the hell, man? The defensive coordinator for the Lions. Can my freaking Lions <laughs> put yeah. something together for once?" Brandon, why? No. No, they can't. And the fact that you're even asking that question, it offends me. I mean, how long are you going to do this to yourself for? Why how Gino long Smith, are you going to do this to yourself for? Why does Geno Smith look like Pat Mahomes against the Lions? Why? Why are you asking that question? You know why. What do they say? SOL, right? 
48 points to the Seahawks? They're supposed to be one of the worst teams in the league this year, dude. I mean, and not only it is that, what Lions, it is, they are who they are. The Lions score 45 and can't win, dude. <sighs> Kill me, dude. I just, <laughs> I mean, so we're we're in the car driving back from from Iowa, so I didn't get to watch it. I'm kind of like half-ass following along on my phone to fantasy, to some bets I got going. I had Red Zone pulled up for a while. My phone was dying, whatever. And then I get home and I kind of catch up on it. I'm like, What? How, how, how does this happen, dude? How? Well, I tell you how they're the Detroit lions. And the, I know. It just, the sooner you come to terms with that brand and the easier this will be for you. I just, I don't know why you put yourself in this situation. Was it hard knocks that got you going? What was it? What, what got you going? Well, I mean, hard knocks. I mean, I've been a lions fan through and through my whole life. I mean, it's going to well, be that know. way. Well, there's no excuse. Hard knocks gave you a little bit of a glimpse I mean, they've got talent on offense. That's clear. They're the number one scoring offense in the league. It's bananas, dude, and they can't freaking win, dude. They, just, I don't yeah. know. They, Dan Campbell's biting genitalia or whatever the hell he's butt, ass, cheeks, and toes. I just want wins, dude. That's all I want. Isn't that what we all want? All right, dude. Just wins and an impressive yeah. offense. All right. Again, I'm going back to the well again. And I'm going to keep going back to this well until this guy gets his shit together once again. Mel Tucker. <laughs> I love doing it every week, every single week. And now he's out there basically begging fans to come to the stadium to show support, yada, yada, yada. He's on a three-game skid out there. You know, you get your ass kicked by Minnesota. You get your ass kicked out in Washington. You get your ass kicked by Maryland. And I'm just enjoying it. Like, as, as a Michigan fan, you know, that fandom is still in there. I'm really enjoying it because I – there isn't a program in the country that I dislike more than Michigan State. And so to see this struggle that they're going through, and I said this to you, Brandon, I think I said this in the car we were riding back with Isaiah Holt. We were all in agreement, by the way. There is zero excuse for the Michigan Wolverines to lose to the Michigan Oh, man, dude. It cannot happen. Now, I know people are already convinced it's going to be a bloodbath, yada, yada, yada. Jim Harbaugh's still 0-2 against Mel Tucker, and he still needs to prove he can go out and beat that team. So, yeah, man, I'm to me, TFG is Mel Tucker, and an honorary TFG. This fucking guy, Joe from Love. <laughs> the mechanic on the way back from Kinnick, who was like, "Yeah, I'll help you. I'll be out there. Just call me when you're ten minutes out." Yes, I see. I got the echo. You know what? Here, talk a little bit about Joe, real quick. All right. So we had been dealing with this guy, Joe, who was like, "Oh." You got that soft nose RV, 30-footer? Yeah, me and my buddy rebuilt one of those. I know him inside and out. Yeah, I'll help you guys out. Give me a call in the morning. We called him in the morning. He's ready to come out and help us. He said, give me a call when you leave the stadium so I know when to meet you. I only live 10 minutes away from there. So as soon as we pull out of the stadium, we call him. He's like, yeah, dude. I gave him a call. Listen, I gave him a call. I talked I, I, I talked to him three times throughout the day. I said, Let Joe, know when this, you're is, close. This, this is critical. This is important. We're counting on you. I think I even said, Joe, I'm putting all my eggs in your basket here. We call him when we're leaving Kinnick. He says, yeah, call me when you're 10 minutes outside. I'll come meet you there. Well, I called him when we were about 20 minutes outside of the city. And I get, oh, Joe's left for the day. Joe's <laughs> left for the day. What the hell is this? And so Joe, this, this mechanic that we were like dependent on, he's like, Oh yeah, I know RVs. I know how to do this. I know how to do that. Uh, this RV that we were depending on all day, we get backward nearly at the RV and he just calls off for the day. Doesn't answer his phone. Won't show up. Joe, 
I doubt you're out there listening to this podcast, but if I'm ever in, if I swear to God, if I'm ever in Geneseo, Illinois, again, I'm going to try to find everybody named, I bet there's going to be a lot of Joe's out there, but I'm going to try to find every single Joe, go to the house, knock on the door, try to find out where he's at, because I am not done with Joe from loves quite yet. And, and he's right up there with Mel Tucker. As far as my TFG of the week, that guy left us hanging, stranded, desolate, depressed, desperate, a lot of, a lot of Joe's. A lot of Billy Joes, Bobby Joes, a lot of Jimmy germs. Joe. There's a lot of Joes out there in Geneseo, <laughs> if you get my drift. And then so Joe didn't show up. Uh, we get the germ, as Chris so aptly nicknamed this gentleman. If you if you sneezed, germ. listen, if you sneezed and some of it landed oh, no. on, the, on, on the table and then it, it started to take human form and wore glasses, that was one of the mechanics that came to hype. Chris is a nice guy. He's got a good heart. I'm decent. Got a mean streak, too. I'll tell you. And I quote, did you see his teeth? There were only six of them, and they looked like Indian corn. End quote. That's facts. It's not mean if it's facts. Facts. And the other guy looked like he should have been working in a bakery. Two of these dudes. Can we just say, listen, this is not all unwarranted. The dude hooked up the jumper cables to the wrong damn battery. And like Brandon had to tell him like, hey, that's an auxiliary battery. Can you hook it up to the battery that actually helps the engine? Like that's where we were at. The RV's got three batteries. One of them is for the motor, you know, the components, the starter, the ignition, the the distributor cap, all that shit. The other two are for the inside, you know, the lights, the, I don't know if the AC, probably not the AC units, but the, the other stuff that's in an RV. Cars, trucks only need one battery. RVs need multiple. They come in and hook up the jumper cables to the wrong battery and telling us to try it. Now, give it a shot now. <laughs> I'll give that you a shot, we were dude. Screwed. Penicillin, <laughs> some Novocaine to get the teeth fixed, dog. We're trying to get the hell out of here, dude. Can you get us on the right battery? Uh... Price on a cracker, dude. It was enough. <laughs> was enough. Damn you, Joe. Damn, Damn you, Joe. Joe. Those other two guys. I don't forget. I'm like an elephant, man. I don't forget, and I will not forget that, Joe. You screwed me over. You lied to me. We got issues. All right. We still ended up going an hour and ten. <laughs> yeah, a big chunk of it was about Rosie and the weekend. So As sewer. it should be. As it should be. That was an experience, man. We went through something, and we wanted you to You don't like it. Change the channel. I heard a couple people saying too much about Rosie. You know what? Too much about Excuse you. Excuse me? Excuse Go to bed. Excuse me? We're done with you tonight. Please. Thanks for hanging out. The rest of you, I love y'all. It's been a... It's been a weekend. I'm glad we got back on here. It was fun. It was exciting. We will have a great show on Wednesday. Fan-led. We'll do burning questions. Yeah. Maybe, I, maybe we'll move burning questions to the end of the week. With I don't know. We'll figure it out. I had five good ones. I was excited about my questions. Yeah. Anyway, well. there you have it. I'm going to go see if my kid's going. He might be going insane now. Chris is probably going to go eat something because he hasn't eaten yet today, if I had to guess. Well, we did meet up at B-Dubs. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we had some wings earlier today. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, We'll be back on Wednesday night. Get your questions. Shout out to Wolverine State Brewing Company for always loading us up on the beer, by the way. They hooked us up before we went out to Iowa City. Unfortunately, we couldn't share all that beer with you guys, but they keep coming through as well, man. As the sponsors keep lining up. Yeah. We just got to make sure that we, uh, you know, we give them their due because they're also helping us out in a major way. So appreciate you. Media Scapes. Wolverine State Brewing Company in Ann Arbor on Stadium Drive. Go find them. Go check them out. 
and the Army National Guard, dude. I mean, in a I mean, big way. The military. I mean, but it, what more could you ask for? I mean, dude, just another look. I mean, <laughs> boom. Good thing she didn't Arr. die there. <laughs> Take care, everyone.